It's the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood, the only Baltimore podcast featuring a DJ duo on their show this week. I, I can't imagine another one does. Once again, most of the time I say these things and I can confirm them. This I can't totally confirm, but we got two friends on this week, guys. You know, we're, we're a Baltimore sports podcast, but we like to delve into our other interests. And the boys of two friends make the big booty mix, which we've talked about many times on this show. They put on absolute banger shows, which we've talked about many times on this show. And we got them on the list to break, or excuse me, got them on the show. I'm thinking about a list. We got them on the show to break it all down. So very appreciative of their time. We'll get to that interview, get to that interview later. But um, I, I like when we bring on non-sports guests. And some of my favorite ones that we've done is when we're sort of a little out of our niche, because I think it breaks us out of our kind of normal cycle of what we do. And this was one of those times. I think, I mean, when we discussed starting this podcast, I don't know, 18 months ago, 21 months ago. Oh, wow. Dude, that's actually um, kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, we had some ideas in terms of some really off the wall, interesting guests. And I think that this is a great way to lead into that type of thing. Um, I think we want to interview just some interesting Baltimore characters, just like, I mean, we're not going to spoil what those ideas are per se, but um you know, we'll talk more offline as we tend to do. It's, it's funny because we, we, we talked to, and all that stuff is still on the table. We all have that kind of like planned, but during the pandemic, it was a weird time to like get out and try. Like we wanted to do stuff like out and about too. We just have not got, we hadn't gotten to those things. Then we got in kind of rhythm what we were doing. So we have still not, we started to do something like the Jimmy's draft party. That's sort of an example of some of that stuff. We want to do more of that stuff as we get to Raven season, but yeah. One, I kind of go a little bit more off the wall. So great interview with two friends. Appreciate those guys uh, coming on. And as you'll hear in the interview, they're coming to Baltimore in the summer. So people will have the opportunity to see them um, at a famous horse racing track. Um, it's about to be in the public eye in, you know, under two weeks now. Uh, but let's start. Uh, I'm going to start with the Baltimore Orioles, gentlemen. Um, the <laughs> I just read a tweet literally be right before we started coming on that was like, the Orioles on pace for 70 and 92. What's Buster only got to say about that? You want to talk about one of the all time uh, expectation games, but look, the Orioles are scrappy. They win against St. Louis tonight. The kids are starting to make their way up. We're on Adley watch, you know, around the clock at this point, it feels like it could at least be an exciting summer at Camden yards, you know, maybe more than the last three or four years. Yeah, I mean, the the game tonight was was fantastic against the Cardinals. Like you said, it was five two win, five three win, I think. Um, but the story, I mean, the story of the night and the story, again, we've talked about it the last couple of weeks, and it's words that we never thought we'd really hear this year. Is the pitching without John Means is still unbelievable. Like it's it's very very good. Um, and I'm trying to find it. I saw a tweet about like the last five or six starts. So here we go. Last four starts. Kyle Bradish tonight. Awesome. Seven innings, four hits, two earned runs, 11 Ks, zero walks, 11 Ks, zero walks. Um, Tyler Wells yesterday, six innings pitch, five hits, one earned run, no walks, three Ks. Bruce Zimmerman, who has been fantastic this year, six innings, five hits, two earned runs, zero walks, five Ks. Jordan Lyles, seven and a third innings pitch, seven hits, two earned runs, one walk, five Ks. So the starters in the last four games have walked one batter. Like it's, they're just, they're pitching out of their mind right now. And, and again, the offense is finally starting to come around. 
Mullins went four for five tonight with another home run. Tyler Nevin had a home run. Trey starting to hit the ball a lot better than, than he was earlier. He's finding holes. Austin Hayes is quietly having an awesome year and is one of the best hitters in the AL, you know, stats wise. Like he's up there and hits. He's batting, I think, over 320. I think he was coming into the game. Um, he, I mean, it seems like things are clicking right now for them. And they're, they're, I think they've won five of six and they're just, they're a fun baseball team to watch right now. And like you said, they're playing really good baseball and they still have all their top guys down either on rehab or still in the minors. Like, like we said, it sounds like Adley is going to be up. It could be Monday. A lot of people were saying that the game yesterday against the Royals was their last home game without Adley. And that very well could be. I've got my tickets. Um, I kind of suggest you guys get the same for Monday. Um, it, and everyone's kind of just waiting. I've got all my alerts on for all the beat reporters at all, all hours of the night. I'm waking up and refreshing, checking, <laughs> sending DMs, sending Instagram DMs. Just imagine and, you waking up at like five in the morning. Just like, oh, like, <laughs> I have an alert. Fresh. What did, what did rock say? What did rock say? Um, no, I get, I mean, it's, and people are excited. This is fun. And, and, as we all know, baseball is, is such a game of like highs and lows and like, they're going to play good baseball for a long time. And they're probably going to play bad baseball because again, they're, it, it doesn't seem like they're a very good team. I'm not saying this is 2012 all over again, where they're going to go on this magical run. Cause they're not, but like you said, 70 and 92 is, is something I think that Orioles fans would be very, if they went 70 and 92, there's a legit chance that I try and throw a parade somewhere. Like we're probably having a party <laughs> at Jimmy if they go 70 and 92. And yeah, it's, it, and the Buster only thing is that's because every time someone would say, Hey, look, the Orioles are playing well, he'd go, yeah, well, they're still on pace to lose a hundred. Um, and you know, now, now, now we get to poke fun and laugh at the Red Sox for being in last place, I think by like two and a half games. So now oh, did we lose them? Wow. That was unbelievable. I think we lost them. No, oh, yeah, we got back. Where, yeah. Did that, where did you lose? Where did you lose me at? Uh, you were just laughing at the Red Sox and then bang. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll laugh at the Red Sox. It's a pretty good way to end it, honestly. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll take that. Go from there. Now, where are we this year versus last year at this point? Funny. So fun fact, they're one game under where they were last year. Correct. <laughs> and then the Orioles turned around and went three and 21, I think. Was oh, that yeah. part of that stretch or that was later in the year? No, I think it was – I think it was a couple games later. Let me see. I can try and find the tweet because someone did tweet that out earlier. No, we are one behind. I know. Yeah, I, that, was this a, is, that was a quiz. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, this is from Camden Chat. This feels way better than last year. I keep thinking to myself, believe it or not, the 2021 Orioles were one game better through 30 games, four, mm-hmm. 14 and 16. Problem was they went 3-21 and 21 after that. So, 2022 is let's not suck that much. Thanks. Right. I'm talking about the 19-game losing streak. That was like July, wasn't it? Um, maybe well, probably July and parts of August. I think. I don't know. This pitching staff is too good to lose 19 games in a row. Never thought I'd say that. <laughs> you know. Mm. Do you want to make any more declarations at this point? If the uh, I can't, I can't. Uh, let let me let let's see where the team goes the next couple of weeks. I may I I could easily be persuaded to do like if they win X amount of games, I'm jumping in. Well, we'll talk to John about the Jimmy's thing. What, like a dunk? Like, oh, like a parade? Yeah, something. We'll do. We'll definitely do a party of some sort. Yeah, we can. We can do that. But like, like I had a buddy who, who two weeks into the season said this team is going to lose 120 games, and I told him there's no way. Like I was like, yeah, that's a shit ton of games. You shouldn't lose that many. 
Um, but again, they're scrappy. They're fun. They're playing really, really well right now. And, and they're, they're night in and night out. It's, it's beginning. It's becoming very fun to watch these guys pitch and just doing what they're doing. And again, Felix Bautista and, and Joey Crable and these guys who no one really had any idea who they were at the beginning of the year. Like they're turning into legit players. And like I said, Adley's coming up. Grayson's coming up. DL is coming up They're They're Kyle Stowers who apparently almost decapitated Adley during batting practice in Norfolk today. That would have been, he took a swing while Adley was in the infield. They said like very close. So <laughs> uh, disaster avoided there, but yeah, this again, steam is fun. It's, it's going to be shaping up to be possibly a fun summer, but don't get your ex- expectations and hopes up too high. I guess the difference between this and last year, sorry, Banks is that last year, you're just waiting. You have the early season swing. You're just waiting for the class because there's nothing coming from coming behind it. This one has this like promise of some of the hope of talent that can maybe like sustain some sort of level of play. That feels like the difference in the two scenarios we're I, we're dealing with. I here. have an analogy that you'll like, Taylor. It's like when you're right, you're, you're say your body surf, surfing down in down the ocean. Oh, and, like you catch a small one and you're like, oh, this is good. This is good. Mm. And you well, get up in time. Okay, you, only for the people that go after well, small waves. I'm, but. I'm saying, like, you know, it's kind of <laughs> nothing's really happening. But oh, you see one, you catch a small one, you ride it in, and then it's like you look out and you're like, oh, okay, there's a nice bigger one coming in. And you still get out there in time to catch that that big one coming in. So it's like again, you can see, like you said, there's good things coming, and you can see it coming. That's my analogy. Is the interesting? You're riding this. They're riding the medium wave in right now, but the big daddy wave is coming behind it. And guess God, what? Do I need those big daddy waves already? Taylor, Taylor's riding those that big, big daddy, daddy wave all the way in, baby. You just infuse me with so much energy. I think that's the greatest analogy in the history of this show. I knew you would like it. God, get me in those, get me in that water. Get <laughs> all I want water. is Adley up. All you want to do is catch a wave. All right. So Kyle Bradish tonight, Bradish was received in the clubhouse with a shower of mayo and some barbecue sauce. There was milk somewhere. He added with some blueberries and strawberries. Should we just jump into it at starting five of things you'd want to be doused with in the clubhouse after a 11K win? Yeah, we can do that. Gotcha. Are pies back? Is that a, is that like a makeshift pie with well the mayo and the barbecue sauce? This is an interesting wrinkle, but welcome blueberry and strawberry. I love it. I love it. Oh, also the home run chain. It's it's taking over baseball. They're the best team in baseball since they introduced the home run chain. I'll say that. Buy your bomb and bird shirts on Barstool, but it's a great chain. The chain is cool. The chain, the chain, you know, why I like the chain. One of the great parts about um, college baseball is that stuff. And it doesn't get into the pro game as much. And I just enjoy, I enjoy the Orioles kind of embracing that and having that be a part of of what they do it's just you know it's it's a make baseball fun thing it it, i know everything ends up coming back down to like making baseball fun but that shit's fun exactly and again especially when you have a young team a young clubhouse a guy again guys have not won much around here do something to make it fun and like again it started out with odor bringing it in and and you know putting it on trey or he put it on someone after they hit it and it just it kept going and people are like, oh, this is so stupid. Like, you know, anytime I tweet about it, people will be like, oh, it's so original. The Padres did it. It's like, dude, who cares? Like, everyone is copying everyone. It's just they're having fun. And, again, they're playing well because of it. Like, yeah, it's going to look bad if they're if they're 30 games under 500 and they've lost eight in, eight in a row and Austin Hayes is walking around with this big chain on his neck. But, like, guess what? 
right now they're not. They're playing well. They're having fun. They're hitting bombs. Let it keep rolling. Let, let's ride this thing as long as we can. So long live the chain. And by the way, the I think when we talked earlier about the pitching um, earlier in the season about how that was kind of carrying them, and I was just like, well, the offensive numbers just continue to be putrid. And I know it's not everything is about average, but now you look at the top five in this lineup. Mullins hitting 262. He did have four hits tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mancini, 279. Santander, 250. He also had three hits tonight. Um, Hayes, 312. Mountcastle, 268. Just a little bit more consistent offensive production from that those top five guys. And, like, you know, I think after those five guys is the clear drop-off. But that's where, like, when you bring in Adley Rushman, and even if he's, you know, an average rookie, he's better than Robinson Chernus. Like, that is kind of where they have to start to infuse the town. And then you're then, and that's what gives you the hope that they can kind of sustain play when maybe Mountcastle and Hayes have an off night. You have a little, you know, you have Adley batting six or seventh, and that makes your lineup a little more dangerous. So it, like I said, to start the conversation, the expectations game with the Orioles at this point is the bar is so unbelievably low that this is what we're excited about. But it's fun to at least be excited. That's nice. That I'm just happy for you, Eric. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. And I think all and I think all of we're not talking about harbors right now. And that's a good place to be. <laughs> that's a good place to be. Yeah, um yeah. I, I think other, there are other people again who are definitely excited. Like I've seen a lot of people being like, I normally I wouldn't want to go to the ballpark, but like yesterday, people being like, Yeah, I like took a half day and like went to the game because it was at what, that's awesome. 30 on a Monday. And like saying, you know, going to the I know this weekend kind of sucked with the weather, but people were like, yeah, they went to a lot of the games last week. And again, that's, that's, that's the good part is being like, yeah, you know what? Maybe this team is fun. Maybe the, you know, again, they're not out of it by the second inning and you want to talk about expectations being low. That's what it is. Like they're not getting blown out. And in fact, again, they're playing, they're playing some damn good baseball. So, and I expect it to only get better in the next couple of days. So maybe do we do an emergency podcast when Adley gets called up? Might warn it. It, it could <laughs> just be like the intro and us being like, he is here. And then it's just put the outro in. Yeah. Make sure you go back and listen to interviews with Adley. If you haven't yeah. done that, if you're a new yeah. listener, any of the great any stuff of the, from him. Any of the top three Orioles. Uh, yeah. We got all the top prospects on there. Um, let's talk a quick, couple of quick Ravens nuggets. It's not a ton. Obviously we went through the draft stuff last week. So if you're looking for a little draft talk, um, that's all on last week's show. Um, Ravens signed Mike Davis, veteran running back. Uh, and the Tyson Williams era seems to be over in Baltimore. Um, Mike Davis is depth at this point. I think it's a smart move to have a veteran back involved in this equation. And he becomes that guy just in case you have step backs with Gus and JK Dobbins. And after what seemed like a very promising start to his Ravens career in the preseason and in week one, Tyson Williams just kind of never got back fully on the radar and he probably needs to change his scenery. So two moves that made sense. Yeah, rip. Um, yeah, Mike Davis is like, it's kind of like the baseball phrase, organizational depth. You need a guy back there and you want him to be dependable. He's been around the league long enough where there's enough tape on him where you can expect probably that he'll pass protect in the situations that he needs to. Um, but ultimately, if he sees the field, then you've got kind of an issue on your hands in the first place. Um, God forbid, if we ever top two running backs get hurt all over again. Like, you know, that's less than ideal. So, I mean, what more do, do, does anybody really want to talk about this? I mean, it's, it's just, 
it's sad that the Tyson Williams era ended. I was very hyped about, up about it. And that tends to happen every preseason. It's going to happen again with probably Tyler Beatty or whoever it might be this preseason. I'm going to get hyped up about somebody who ultimately means nothing in the long run, but that's the fun of this whole thing. So, um, you know, sad to see Tyson go, but it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully he catches on somewhere else and doesn't hurt us in the future, but um yeah, that's that's as much as I've got to say about the running back situation here. We got to get our guys back, JK and Bus Bus. I'm ready for it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's 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 about getting those guys back. The only thing I'll say about Mike Davis, I think large, he's probably large legs. He's, he is ha, he is very compact at 5'9, 220 pounds. Um he is a guy I think that has been on everyone's fantasy team at this point, like as a handcuff um, at a certain point, but he's had like good games in the league. Like he's been productive. Um, so definitely really, really good insurance. Um, and I'm sure a veteran guy, I mean, they probably just need like, I mean, I guess Gus Edwards is sort of a, you know, has been in the league for a little bit now, but um, just good to have that guy in the room. As you said, organizational depth, there's not much more to say. The running back situation, you said banks, it's about those top two guys and what their health is. Like we saw last year, you can bring in any of the retread guys off the street you want. They'll be decent one week. They'll not be as good the next week. You'll run through them. This is about the Ravens having J.K. Dobbins, who felt like was going to have a giant breakout year, and Gus Edwards, who's been as steady as they come for his whole career, uh, back in this lineup and and back on you know making this football team. Um, not a ton to say from the rookie mini camp. I mean, those guys were in. There's some nice content about them. Content, the videos. That's what's uh, all the about. Beatty, the Beatty stuff about him being from around here was very cool. I, I, yeah, that was a that was cool stuff. Um, He's a very likable, dude. Yeah, all those guys seem to be. I watched. Yeah. I think I watched every one of them talk of who talked, and they all seemed. Hamilton seemed great on on draft mm-hmm. night. Just what he did in his press conference. But, he might be green sticker material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, I think that's the idea in the long run, anyways. But he could be green sticker material. From the jump, I guess Chuck Clark is a storyline. He's kind of whitewashed his Twitter account a little bit. He uh, mentioned he had one of those cryptic tweets. It's like, you know, what's going on with it one way or another? Like, I don't know. Like, I forget exactly what the phrasing was. I hope he's around. I think that he'll be around. Uh, John Harbaugh gave him a vote of confidence, at least that, you know, he wants him around. And um, of he course, did. I was going to say that before we got out. The quote was to me, Chuck is a big part of this team. And I'm planning on Chuck being here, Harbaugh said before the team's rookie minute camp practice. I'm not going to worry about all the other stuff. The other stuff is the other stuff. It's part of pro football. I understand it. The other stuff probably referring to some of the things you were talking about. Yeah, the fact that it may not make the most sense to have a very competent football player on your team and not enough snaps for him in theory when you could shop him and potentially get something for him. I don't know. I would say the Giants make a lot of sense. I'm sure Wink Martindale would love to have him up there, but who knows? Now, I, I think this is going to come down to whether Chuck Clark walks into the office and says, I need to be moved. If he doesn't do that, I think they're going to keep him around. It makes too much, you know, you want as many good players on your team as possible, especially in the secondary. We saw last year. I know that was mostly based he on. should corners, make you a GM. <laughs> but yeah, they, yeah. I mean, talk about a really good resume. I'll send that in there at the Costa. Make me a scout. Just I'll just send you good football. Let's get players. as many good players as possible. Yeah. You but like this idea, on your but team. I what I hate is this idea. It's like, well, they drafted someone that exact position. Now, now you have to trade them. It's like you don't think there's gonna be times where the Ravens are gonna have like 400 DBs on the field. And I'm not a coach, but like 
this is where the league is. I mean, this is all we've talked about. It's like, you got to have these guys that have, you know, some versatility and can run with all these. And Chuck Clark is a different player than Hamilton. So maybe he'll, he's 27. Maybe he's going to be like, look, I need to go somewhere that's going to invest in me long-term. Clearly the Ravens are not going to like give him a long-term deal. You would think now. Um, So yeah, you know, giants would make sense. Jets would make sense. Um, Maybe they, yeah, maybe they can get something for him and, and go from there. But, you know, if you're trying to make a run at the Super Bowl too, I mean, we saw what happened. The Ravens did that with Orlando Brown and that was the right thing to do. Theoretically, you got the picks back and you got, but if Orlando Brown's just on the team last year, maybe things go differently. I don't know. Um, so that's the, that's the push pull they have to deal with, with the, the value of things. Um, you know what? There's never um, enough good of big booty mixes. You were wondering how I was going to get from Ravens to uh, two friends before the show. Nobody did. And uh, I would say that was like a 7.5. Got us, got us there. Literally thinking per- about that. That was like a B. Yeah. It was like a B. It was like a B. It was like a B. Was like a B. Was like a B. And honestly, the, job. The, the hesitation, I'm embarrassed by the hesitation, but I wanted to see your guys' reaction because you knew it was coming. And, I knew you were and, trying. Yeah. And so, look. What is there to say about two friends? Um, our guys, Eli and Matt, came on the show. Um, big week for them. Big Booty Mix 21 premieres on Saturday. Make sure to check that out. They're at Pimlico on August 6th or 7th or the, the later day, the Saturday, they said. Um, they're just tremendous. These The the, the Big Booty we'll, – we'll give some context to people that have no idea what's going on here. So two friends is a DJ duo, essentially um, – Matt and Eli, the reason that they come into the four for the three of us is the big booty mixes, which are essentially 60 minute long, you know, not mashup is probably the wrong world, but like mixes of, you know, popular songs, sound bites, instrumentals. They're awesome. Like if you like any type of electronic music, you like things to pump you up. You like just like listening to like popular songs and songs from, you know, all not just like of the last year, like of all time on there. Um, they're amazing. Uh, and me and banks have seen them in concert and they are tremendous, put on an amazing show and, um, your daughter lives by them, Eric. So they're, uh, yeah, again, I, I only, I found out about them from you guys and from Ad, that Adley interview we did. And that's, I hadn't heard of them before that. And then I saw, I saw them in Atlantic city, maybe four years ago. Jesus. So that was why that was like big booty eight longer they put out what two a year yeah something like that maybe not yet not as spaced out before but yeah again i you guys introduced me to them i can't get enough of them and didn't i i I think i willed it to fruition because didn't i text in the group like three weeks ago being like we're on we're we're due for another big booty mix so you did you actually did say that recently I thought of that when that came out is somebody had said that. And I was like, who said that? And I was like, it was, it was already today. Yeah. So they sort of are dropped. They now just, you can kind of like set your it's watch. Like October and May. Out. Right. We yeah. Didn't say yep. that? yeah. Yeah. Big fights. That's when big fights have big fights and big booty mixes. That's what that's, October that's their next May. tagline. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, we got into a bunch of things with them, how they do the mixes, how they got into what they do. They've known each other since like seventh grade. Crazy. Um, how they got into music. Um, the entire big booty universe, which is a whole thing that I'm sure people that don't know about it will have no idea what we're talking about, but it's actually pretty interesting. Um, and a variety of other things. So let's go to our interview with two friends, 
Something magic happens. We're back here on the Exit 52 podcast with Eli and Matt, better known as Two Friends. Now, guys, you've got a big week coming up. Big Booty Mix 21. I can't believe it's 21. I feel like I've been listening to these since like 14 or 15, and now you're at 21 on Saturday. Make sure to get that. You guys are coming to Pimlico in August 6th, 7th, I believe, is the... Uh... Yeah, yeah. Mo- uh, Moonrise Festival in Baltimore. We played there a while ago. I want to say three, years. three or four years ago. Got rained out so and, hard. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we love playing in Baltimore, Maryland, yeah. DC area. But um, yeah, so we got BB21 premiere the concert this Saturday, May 14th. It's going to be insane, going huge. Um, very excited for that. Um, yeah, 21. That's wild. That means 10 years. Wow. I saw um, you put out the video of you guys rehearsing the like live performance you're going to put on. I think the biggest question for us, me and Banks, huge, huge big booty mix guys. Saw you guys. Oh, yeah. uh, saw you guys in DC a few months ago. Put on a great show. Um, RDT was our other co-host. So if he doesn't come on, we will just ask his his daughter, his like three year old daughters. Like trips in the morning are like set to Big Booty Mix. She can't go without listening to it. So take us behind building those things out. Like when do you guys start a new one after you release the last one, and what is the process of building what becomes just sixty minutes of Fuego content? Totally. Um- yeah, I mean, it's definitely a long process. It's not really something where we like start and finish it in the same sitting, obviously. You know, it's like uh, well, not even close. No, I, I, meant, <laughs> not even, I didn't mean I didn't mean in the same day. I meant that we like focus only on this from start to finish. We're, we're constantly juggling a lot of things, you know, between original music and touring and all, all sorts of other stuff. So it's kind of like a stretched out process where pretty soon after we're we released the newest one. Like, you know, maybe we'll take a week or two to just not think about that type of stuff for a bit, but pretty soon after we're already gathering new material for the next one, that's kind of like the big first step is just getting a ton of new music, new vocals, new instrumentals, kind of just having a big bank of stuff to to play around with. And then that's the fun part is sort of just the trial and error, playing around with stuff, seeing what sounds good on top of each other. Yeah. Um, And then kind of get a roadmap blueprint for what the mix is going to look like, what songs are going to be where. And then well, like even the trial and error is just to see like tangibly what that means is it's Eli sending me gigabytes of like shitty recorded, like combos, just trying to do it quick of like this instrumental with five different songs, this vocal with five different instrumentals. And then we're like, okay, this, this, this have potential. Let's try more for this vocal, more for this instrumental. And then eventually you get to a place where you're like, okay, if we took this whole mess and put it cohesively on a list, I think we actually have the mix. So it doesn't exist, but it exists. Sure. So you got, so Big uh, Booty Mix 21, you got 245 songs in the mixer. I mean, that's a fuck ton of songs. How many songs get like left on the cutting room floor and you just roll onto the forward, you know, the next one or like, are there just some on the back burner that just totally. maybe three or four mixes away you just got to find the right spots for them totally yeah i mean at this point there's we have thousands of songs that we kind of try to play around with and we kind of look at it more about like uh like we call them combos so basically within a 60 minute big booty mix there's usually around 40 to 45 combos um which you know like a vocal on top of a of a, or basically one instrumental section, then there could be multiple vocals on yeah. that instrumental section. Three to four so, vocals on each instrumental. And so, the, like I said, you know, the magic number is usually 40 to 45 of those combos, but the 
the sort of trial and error phase will usually be somewhere close to 200 different combo ideas and then whittling that down to 40 to 45. So, I mean, the way we always, if I'm ever like nervous about some of the ideas that I'm going to send, it'll be like, you could literally say that 160 of these are awful. As long as there's 40 great ones, we're in business. Um, and so that's why it's, it honestly makes it a little easier to judge them is like, not just is this good, but is this great? Because we only need 40 out of 200. So get rid of the bad ones, obviously get rid of the mediocre ones and just. But then hopefully- of course there's vocals that are like, wow, this is such a good one. For some reason it's hard to use, but like, we'll save it. We're for- going to try it eventually. We'll try it every time, you know? I always wonder how you get, how you, sorry, Banks, how you guys like, so you have popular songs that are probably building up to when you guys want to release. When do you guys cut it off? So like if Olivia Rodrigo drops a song and it's like, oh, this is the hottest song in the world. Now we have to, now we have to add it. Or like this Bieber song that we have to have it. How do you guys make that determination? Cause like we go into it and we like literally make a bet when we're watching, like, okay, what song is definitely going to be in there or what sound is definitely going to be in there. It's getting harder and harder as we do bigger, uh, activations and premieres and concerts for like the you know for it like for example this premiere it's like the mix isn't really out but we're basically putting on this massive huge production concert ticketed and like that's like the way to hear it early but obviously when you're doing that you have to plan so much in advance get the right visuals like all that kind of stuff so it does bring up that problem i will say there are certain things we could like try to do last minute but really it's, it's every at it's, least a month there's definitely been some regrets More. where it's like people are definitely shocked like how did you not put this song in you know because like, yeah a huge song will happen to come out a week before and it's like damn we already finished like it. a good example is like i don't want to give things away because i know there's a lot of betters on big booty and <laughs> definitely our like, group of friends we are gambling on we'll this song, songs. yeah <laughs> so i would say like the hottest songs like the last two weeks that came out like they're not going to be in it it's just you know it's just yeah two last minute but there been time i'm trying to think what specifically with like a sound bite there was one time where like we thought we had like locked in the full mix it was ready it was done and then like just some, then some, some pop culture thing happened where it was like damn like we, we don't have if this, we don't this people like... will think we like live under a rock <laughs> we didn't so we like we had to move some Finagle. things around and update some people that were working on other things. And it was yeah. like, all right, let's just get this done. Yeah. So you mentioned a lot of trial and error and that's within a given big booty mix. Um, but you're up to 21 of these things now, like how much trial and error has there been in your process as a whole from, you know, the first one till now? I mean, unlimited, like thousands. <laughs> we we're just always on the hunt for, for new music. And that's why honestly, like, you know, we space them out, usually do six months apart, two mixes a year. And a lot of that is like, we need to give time for new music to come out and like have more stuff to work with. Because a lot of times it, it feels like, wow, like we have used every possible song in the throwback world. song. Any from, song that people would know it's been used. And like, it's, either, it's either we use it or the vocal, we can't get it to yeah. sound good. Like, also like in the metals, like we need to put out more music. Other producers need to put out more music. Like it's just... It's not like there's unlimited, perfect vibe instrumentals out there that, you yeah. know, right. so it's, it's a combination, which I think, obviously, if we were doing one a year, I think this would be so much easier, so much like exponentially, because obviously you have more time, but also there's so much more music to choose from. Yeah. I mean, 
it's it's funny it's like we we get very excited about finding a new vocal on like deep on some forum on the internet matt will see me just across the studio just like basically cheering like i found this this <laughs> hidden acapella that no one has and we wanted to use it and I, I found it and like that is the stuff that excites me these days <laughs> is it only you guys finding stuff or have you at this point like employed a team of people that are just sending you i gotta think people are, are your your friends or, or family well, are sending no, you guys it, things being it, honestly well, people say instrument people will send instrumentals yeah what we'll do it we'll actually proactively do it where we're like well you know well first and first we'll just see what we could find naturally on online we have all sorts of forums and Everybody. reddit and youtube and soundcloud like you know deep in the like instrumental web i'm assuming you guys are deep oh, deep yeah. in the instrumental yeah but then then we'll just you know we i think that's been we've it's been a little easier as we've grown of like people are are relatively familiar with these mixes so if we hear a song and it's from some producer we'll just hit them up on instagram and be like yo like we want to use this in the next big booty mix some obviously not you know some people never see that some people say no but a lot of people will just be like yeah here you go and so and then I think it can't hurt to ask vocally i think like there's other way you know you can find a lot of sneaker ads or like it might not be the perfect acapella it might not be super clean studio but like we'll clean it up and it's good enough and like over another instrumental you can't quite tell and you know so there's there's ways to kind of fight that but um I think definitely on the instrumental side, people will send us more than like, people will say like, yo, use my song in Big Booty. But vocally, it's kind of weird to do a super unknown song, obviously. So that it's more on the instrumental side, we'll get more help. How do you guys divide your time between developing those mixes and doing the original songs? That also kind of fascinates because I feel like you people know you for the mixes a lot of times, but you also, you guys also have bangers and like, how do you yeah, try to go between those? Like, and I guess the instrumentals you create kind of inform the mixes as well a little bit too. Totally. I mean, it, it's kind of, we've been doing this for, for the whole time. So we've kind of just get in a good rhythm of like, <laughs> you know, we don't have a, we don't have a exact schedule of, you know, exactly what day we're going to switch around, but we know that pretty much always we're going to be, you know, working on original music. We're going to be starting to think about big booty mix and gathering stuff for that. We're going to be probably touring on the weekend. We're going to be planning out all this other big stuff we have coming. So I think just kind of naturally, that's kind of how, how we work. having two of us. Yeah, we divide, you know, we, yeah. beginning also, of the day, we'll handle a lot of the big picture stuff. Then we'll kind of divide, work on separate stuff, regroup. Together. Um, yeah, so it's, I would say, a team effort and having a good team and everything. But And I think it makes it fun, like, that you can kind of jump around to right. different facets makes it i think it's it makes it yeah definitely keeps it fresh obviously it puts you a little more deadline because like you're almost having two artist projects at the same time but you know it's we have two of us so that's good it's true um so like origin story a little bit uh where did this whole thing start including where did the main big booty mix come from so we so we met each other in seventh grade in middle school and basically we we're just best friends from you know seventh to twelfth and our whole friend group you know same people they still live in LA with us most of them um, and we weren't really working on music together during high school like <coughs> we were musical like I was playing guitar I was in like choir 
Eli started playing with like mashups and like other kind of random stuff at the end of high school. And then when we were graduating, like, you know, it's kind of the semester of, we're like, huh, maybe like, let's learn to be DJs or producers, whatever. Honestly, didn't know what it meant. Yo. <laughs> RDT just joins it late. Just join the chat. Hey, I got him. I'm trying to jump in in between meetings and lunch and good wife having and all that good stuff. So I love it. We were forewarned. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I mean, we kind of were just like, oh, let's do this. Didn't know what that meant. Whatever. Then we went to off to college separately and started learning. You know, we had a software. We started learning how to produce, how to DJ. and, you know, starting to make our own songs slowly. Uh, but then in terms of big booty mixes, I think, you know, we had we were really trying to go the more original slash remix route. Um, and, you know, mashups had their heyday back then. But we still had like a lot of cool ideas. And we're like, oh, maybe, you know, there's a way to do this. But it's not like a, a new mashup every week. It felt super weird. So we're like, maybe we'll just combine it and you know, put them all together in a 60 minute mix or whatever, like a big bootleg mix or whatever. And then from that, which is kind of a term for like an unofficial remix, we went big booty and decided this is volume one. And it kind of grew from there. We just kept at it and what did not blow up right away. People enjoyed. And I would say by like big booty, like five, there was definitely some momentum by Big Booty 10, there was like, okay, there's something here. By Big Booty like 13, we're like, whoa, okay. Now it's like, it's real, its own thing and kind of kept growing it from there. And now we're kind of exponentially growing everything around it as we, you know, get ready for 21 and beyond. Um, How big is Big Booty Man's Wagon? It is an absolute dumper. Yeah. Um, we, it's, a, it's a question I feel like I had to ask. You know, we just we always. Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I don't know if we've ever really, you know, Given quantified it. We did have our inflatable big booty man at all of our adventure yes. tour show. So yep. it was honestly hard to look at you guys while that was sitting right there. To be honest, so yeah, no. So we have we'll we'll bring him to our show in Oakland, and if we get you know if we can have some time where we could get some like a tape measure Proper and measure. get you some real yeah. proportions, we'll. I will say, you know, we're, we're building, you know, mascots and inflatables for all the characters, um, including Big Booty Man. And when they were doing the uh, inflatable, every mock we would get sent, we'd be like, that needs to be bigger. Not that needs to be bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if that says anything, it's, it's definitely proportionally large. Uh, how do you guys, how do you guys prep for these concerts? One of the things that always fascinates me about what you guys do and, and DJs and things like that is you've got to peak so late. Like you guys have to have full energy at like midnight and we're standing there waiting at, in, in DC. And I'm just like, what are these guys doing back there to like keep themselves going when they're doing this, you know, every couple days, every three days, how do you guys like prep for the show and like stay in tour mode and concert mode show after show. So people, you know, so you get the experience that everybody wants when they come to the show. It's, so, you know, we've, First of all, we've been we've been touring for pretty much right since we graduated college in 2015. So, you know, we definitely feel like we're we're veterans of being on the road and kind of knowing how to get in a good routine and all that. I think honestly, a lot of people are surprised sometimes if they come hang backstage at sort of it might be kind of the opposite of what they're expecting, where 
we keep things pretty low key and like quiet and peaceful backstage. I think part of that is kind of just relax and like save our energy because it is kind of a workout. You know, you want to be able to to really go hard for you know for playing ninety minutes. We want to exactly what you said. You know, even we you know for starting at midnight, ninety minutes later, it's one thirty. So right, um, you know, I think we had some people are surprised they like they're like nervous that we don't have enough energy because the show is going to start in 45 seconds and we're kind of just like sitting and they're like you guys good like and like we could you know, kind of just yeah when we run when we get our intro started and run on stage and you can kind of just like feed off the crowd it makes it a lot easier yeah and then if you don't have an early wake up then you can you know celebrate with people after and have a good time um but obviously the goal is to put on the best show possible and when you are doing that every day, you gotta, you know, you gotta take your swings. No, no you doubt. Guys may, you guys may have already gone over it. Um, we interviewed, or a question similar to this. We interviewed Adley Rutschman, who's one of the top prospects in baseball. Um, and we asked him, I think what his walkout song was, or what do you, what do you listen to during BP? And he said, Oh, and I think this was right when 19 came out and he said, we've been, we've been really listening to big booty 19. I love Has there it. ever been like an athlete? And again, he's, I mean, he's one of the best prospects in baseball has there ever been an athlete, a celebrity or something like that, where they're like, Hey, by the way, 19 was awesome. Or 17, this part, you know, you guys killed it. Is there one that you've been like, Oh my God, like they, you listen, like you've heard this before. Who was the, who was the one that kind of like took your breath away? There's some, a couple that come to mind, not necessarily that they are like, you know, a list celebrities, but it's been cool. Like I remember I was watching, it was for some chargers football game, like, watching live and they just are doing like the pregame you know show and they have a little segment where they interview some of the players about what they listen to and no no it wasn't uh, even that it was like offense versus defense like what is the offense like locker room listen to you know like hunter henry who he's not on the team anymore he's with the patriots but he's tight end he uh just like i'm just watching tv with some friends and it's like yeah we listen to the big booty mix i'm like oh hey (laughs) there's definitely a lot of locker rooms i think that have made it their thing you know i would say college locker rooms like all the time like people hit us up being like this number or we do these three and like it's the absolute um pre-game um but i would say a lot in hockey definitely some football um and some baseball not too much basketball but uh there's been like a lot of cool videos people have tagged us in of mm-hmm. like yo, this is like, I'm just giving a random example, but like, yo, the St. Louis Cardinals, like, look, like this is some player storying like a celebration and they're like playing big booty in the background, like stuff like that, Mm -hmm. which is always kind of dope because it is kind of random and surprising. We're like, oh shit, cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but there's definitely been a, a good amount that have like hit us up specifically. And we're like, oh yeah, come through, come through like when we're in your city or whatever. Um, and more to come for sure. How often do you guys get asked, like, hey, if I if I give you a clip, can you put it in, you know, 21 or, or like you guys probably, it's probably every day that you meet someone. Yeah. Hey, the funny you part should is, put this part in. The funny part is sometimes people will do that with like very inside joke sound bites. So they'll be <laughs> yeah. like, yo guys, like you, last week my, my friend was drunk and we recorded him like this so funny man and like, <laughs> like I understand that would be great for you guys but to everyone else listening it's yeah, like what are you talking about missed opportunity so yeah I mean we 
cool. definitely get bombarded with a lot of requests and a lot of times though you know we'll like we'll look at them and if a lot we, of them are good ideas yeah. though you know we have like a running especially for sound bites because that's kind of one of the last steps that we put on the mix like at the very very end so throughout the year while in between while we're you know while we're not there yet we'll just in the middle of the night whenever we're watching the movie or anything just email ourselves a quote uh, like quotes from- and sound bites and a lot of them are just people recommending them and then we'll kind of when it's time we'll go back and we'll have a list of you know 50 random things that we thought of during the year and we'll just kind of narrow it down to the best 12 or whatever it is i was gonna say you guys probably have to have like a notes app of just over and over and over and over right yeah exactly and you guys can you guys tell us how many um like under four-year-old girls you have um living their life to big booty mix because eric's daughter pretty much her mornings are set to it my daughter for like eight months straight would only get in the car to go to daycare if we listened to Big Booty oh, 19. Honor. And like she I mean, and then like when 20 came out, I would be like, we get in the car and I'd be like, Do you want to listen to 20 or 19? She'd be like, 19. Like, okay, yeah. all right, that's fine. Like, <laughs> I got no like I, I like 19 a lot, but I'm like, I kind of want to hear the new stuff. And she's like, no, 19. I'm like, all right, whatever. I mean, that's been cool. That's like we love seeing that where you know we, we try to use a ton of different music in the mixes, obviously, from all different decades and genres. So been cool to see that you know a a kid can can listen to it and you know older yeah. generations can too and kind of covers the a lot of the we'll spectrum. get like tagged in insta stories or dms and be like this is look at my daughter like <laughs> singing like the words and it's like oh my god that's amazing yeah there's been some great great videos i'm, I'm sure i tagged you in the one yeah again it's my three and a half year old yelling i'm in love with the coco so the, <laughs> the wife wasn't too happy that that one got put on facebook <laughs> Uh, explaining to my dad what the cocoa is, but yeah, yeah it was, you know, I, I thought it was funny and she, that was her favorite part. So thank I you for, uh, thank you for including that part in there. Of course. Thankfully you guys can help Eric parent. Otherwise he'd have no chance to get, to get her to daycare. So <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. we have that going for us. Um, do you guys have a favorite of the ones you've done of, of whether it's song or mixes or are they all like your kids? You kind of can't rank them at this point. Or does one like come to mind? And you're like, man, we, we killed that one. It's interesting when people like ask that question because like people will tell us theirs. And we have noticed that we try to stay pretty neutral. Um, we have noticed that like there are like formulas to basically decide in a high probability, like 80% chance, like what your favorite mix is. And there are exceptions or whatever, but what we have seen a lot of times, like people's peak nostalgia moment is going to be their favorite mix doesn't matter the quality doesn't matter whatever but like what is it like junior year sophomore year of college whatever mix came out then like people will go towards that for example um but i think that's that's true not just for like you know our mixes but for a lot of music where it's like you know yeah obviously that's there has to be some level of quality but a lot of it is just you know brings you back to fun times and even if technically you look this so this song is better or whatever you know it's just like you, you associate that with with the good time nostalgia is such yeah. a i think big part in musical enjoyment um but for us we always try to make it the newest so we're going 21. i want to go back to the big booty man and some of that type of stuff <laughs> the like who was the brainchild behind him as a character and all these other characters and i guess like on a bigger um scale like the marketing that goes behind all this, like where does that all derive from? So little context, Big Booty Man is the hero of Big Booty Land, the protector. Sure. Um, yes. And 
He has two heads, which happen to be our faces. Um, and his sworn enemy is the assless Jack, who absolutely has no behind at all. Um, and he's kind of, assless Jack is the leader of Slimbabwe. Um, but there's a lot more in this Big Booty universe to come. We're working very hard on it, starting to get other people involved. But we've kind of been trying to tell the story through the intros and outros and, and through, uh, you know, visual and stuff like that. But that's kind of a whole other side where exploring and discovering the big booty universe storyline and how to connect, you know, how the mixes connect and going beyond just the music. It kind of, it kind of happened almost randomly where each of the artworks for the mixes kind of have a new theme. And so volume 16 was when we just were brainstorming themes. And one of the themes was like, Oh, what if there's a, what if it's almost like a comic book superhero vibe? What would the hero be named? But we want to use both of our faces Okay, well, let's make him have two heads. The adventure is a big booty man. And, you know, it really was only used as like the artwork. And then we put a little like quick speech at the end of it where, where we made up, you know, the story. And then and then people kind of just caught on and they thought it was cool and funny. And so since volume 16, which was three, two and a half, three years ago, each time we've kind of tried to build off of it and introduce new parts of the storyline like breadcrumb yeah, the storyline a little bit make um, it feel a little more than just listening to a mix on yeah. soundcloud even. and big things are coming on on the whole big booty universe side where we're working really hard on that working with writers working on potential big stuff down the line so we're very excited i almost wish that i'd asked that question a little differently where i was like if you were to go on shark tank and pitch big booty mixes <laughs> and the entire universe behind it like what would that pitch look like? Like that, you kind of gave it there a little bit, but um, just that, that entire idea in my head of you going into the actual Shark Tank and doing yeah. that is hilarious <laughs> to me. Oh yeah, it's it's not it's it goes beyond the music. It's the whole vibe, the story, the character. So we're we're kind of in the process of telling that story. Well, I I, I mean, it's definitely cooler to see like at shows. Definitely more fun to see someone hold up a sign that says, I'm part of Big Booty Man's Army than just, I listen to your mix on soundcloud.com. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's cool to kind of bring a new element to it. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the Big Booty Mixes with speeches, uh, we will salute. We, we stand and salute when we, when we listen. So, you know, very, very, yeah, very much members of Big Booty Man's Army. Uh, he's obviously going to space now. Um, a whole galaxy to save. It feels like that is now the continuation of his journey. There's going to be more, you know, planets and things now. Oh yeah, to... oh, yeah. you'll see in in the intro and outro of 21 and the visuals and stuff. I come and he's he's going uh he's going to space, going home. Um, and there's a lot to come. So stay tuned on that. Have you guys been to Slimbabwe? You know, it's not a place you want to visit. <laughs> but... <laughs> we like um, to stay in big booty. Uh. Sort of for our, we'll, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, you guys don't have to pander. You know, you're on a, a podcast mostly listened to by people in Baltimore and DC, but feel free to answer your favorite place you guys have gone and done a show. In all honesty, what, what, what it, is even, there one that I, sticks out? I wouldn't even say we're lying when we're saying Echo Stage has to be one of the most epic venues. Like it's, it feels like the best club and venue, like at the same time, you know, the production's just so next level. 
Um, so we love it there. We love DC in general. I don't know. Do both, if we give a DC answer, does that, do Baltimore people like that or they actually hate that? I think people, Baltimore people go into DC. They go to Echo State. Like yeah. there's no, yeah. yeah I, mean, I mean, that's what we're going go to see. Yeah. Hey, right. Right. Is there, there's a rivalry between Baltimore and DC, right? Somewhat so, yeah, yeah. But there's also a brotherhood that kind of coexists. I don't know. White collar, blue collar. Talk about, yeah, Yeah. talk about having to, like, explain the big booty universe, trying to explain the relationship between Baltimore and D.C. We need, like, 60 more minutes. There you go. I mean, I guess, I mean, we love Echo Stage. We love a lot of the D.C. venues we've played. The only, am I wrong, that Moonrise is the only time we've played in proper Baltimore? We we just, we've done some, uh, like, we did uh, Loyola, University, but, but those haven't like been private, which have been epic, but yep, they haven't been did. public. Moonrise, we did a couple years ago, and we'll be back in August. Yeah, uh, so you know, maybe, maybe that'll be the answer. Pimlico is a perpetual just swamp. It's always raining. It's always like when you said, <laughs> I don't, I don't even remember if we were recording yet that you'd been to Pimlico, and then it was just like rain and just yeah. We, miserable. I think we had the last <laughs> set of the day because then lightning, and then we were like underneath the horse uh, stands, like just yeah. waiting. <laughs> It was, it was stressful. And I think it happened. I'm not even exaggerating, like maybe two or three years in a row where there was rain issues. Yeah, so they're probably, every year. yeah, they're ready for some weather. Um, guys, uh, we'll give you the, uh, the last 30 seconds here. I'll plug whatever you need to plug here. Obviously it's big Saturday, oh, yeah. but, uh, but touring everything. Oh yeah. We got BB 21, uh, concert premiere go grab your tickets to friendsmusic.com slash bb land we just released our new single wish you were here banger we have, we're working on so much music we have a lot of shows go check them out at uh this guy with the yeah i, I the know URLs. all the shit uh to friendsmusic.com slash tour we're probably coming near y'all uh big summer and so much to come in the music side the big booty universe side the touring side so stay tuned come through one last the question. Video, the music video is great. Yeah. So yeah. Sad. Sorry, Taylor. I had to get no, that in there. It's so sad. I want to I wanna, I wanna know who Emily is on Oh, Emily. Oh, wait. You're, Emily. Cutting, you're cut out for a second. So Emily <laughs> is, let's say Emily is a personification of any girl who kind of is perfect for you, but not perfect for you at the same time. You know, there's, yep. that's the best way to put it. We, we, we all have that. We all have that. Uh, Eli, know, Matt, have it or have it. <laughs> appreciate you giving us a little bit of your time. Obviously, everyone go out and get uh, Big Booty 21, uh, 9 Eastern uh, for those uh, listening here in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. Perfect free game. So, oh, uh, we've we've done it many Correct. times. and We'll be doing it again yep. this Saturday, at least among among oh, our yeah. friends. Really appreciate you guys. Uh, we get a lot of uh, joy and excitement from the three-year-olds to uh, us here in our – 29 and 30. So appreciate you guys and uh, keep doing your thing out there. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate you guys. Back to you in the studio. Back on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy Seafood. Thanks again to Matt and Eli of Two Friends uh, for popping on the show. I found that fascinating how they put the mixes together. I've, I've always wondered like what the timeline is. The most interesting part was when they cut, when they cut it off. Like I've all, we, we always speculate about this. When we watch it, we like bet on what songs we think are definitely going to be in, what sound bites we think are going to be in. I've always wondered when the cutoff is. And they're essentially like, yeah, that is something we think about all the time. It's like what songs we're putting in. But really awesome stuff for them. So um, what's your guys' biggest takeaway from uh, the Big Booty Mix process that you didn't expect? 
Uh, I don't know about the process so much, but I'm very excited to just see where Big Booty Man and his adventures are taking us. I think that's a ma- massive piece of this that they they're possibly in development for something we don't even know about. It, that was interesting. That was very like, intriguing. They're gonna do like a movie. That's what it sounded like. Because he kept saying, "Well, you're yeah, like a streaming show or something." Production and the, you know, I I think we're gonna get a movie, not not a full length feature film, but. I don't know. I could see them dropping something like that. Um, my my favorite part of all the big booties is just the sound, like the 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 sound bites and like which ones they put in and which I don't know. It always cracks me up to to listen to like the random ones that they put in. So I'm just I'm excited for for Saturday, as I'm sure you guys are. Um, and like 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 we talked about off off air and kind of with them, they're just they were very chill. The 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 parts of the interview that I was a part of, they're just. They just seem they're two normal guys who just happen to make music too. So super nice guys too. Super nice guys. Mm-hmm. Um, very much appreciate them coming on. Uh, and they love your story about your daughter, RDT, which I, that was the thing I was most excited to tell them. Like that's got to be pretty cool. Oh, absolutely. Like anything, anything like that for them has to, like, I'm sure they love it when 30 year old guys are like, we love you so much. But like, again, the kids part, it always, I'm sure it, Sure, put a smile on it. Well, it did put a smile on their face. I saw it. So, um, yeah. So make sure to check that out. 9 p.m. Eastern, um, on Saturday for the Big Booty Mix. Um, should be very very fun. Uh, do you guys have a song that you think will definitely be in? I'll put you both on the spot. Ooh. Um. I, ghost. Justin Bieber, Ghost. Um. Uh, I, uh, I, I think we're going to get, we're going to get glamorous or the, not glamorous, but what is it called? First, class. Uh, the Jack, the J- first class, the Jack Harlow. Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I think it's going to be, yeah. I think he's kind of taken over recently. I think that's going to be a, a big, uh, I, I also, I mean, and it's not their fault them doing good for you. Almost pretty much leading off. It didn't lead off 20, but it was, it was what one of the first two or three songs that was mm-hmm. one of the most, like called shots of all time by I think everyone and I'm sure yeah like, yeah no liked him. but it had to be it had to be it was a song of the year so I, I'm just again I'm also I'm excited to see like how it starts all the songs that are in it and it's just it's a wild roller coaster ride that I'm excited to listen to it every day for the next I don't know six seven months eight months yep. and until we get to the next one that's the best part then you can uh yeah go and to listen to them you can go to like Spotify search big booty mixes sometimes they're off Spotify there's like a Twitter account that is are the big booty mixes on Spotify and they update it every day um it, SoundCloud it be, YouTube yeah it's all over it may be my favorite lawn mowing music to do because you don't mm. have to shuffle through like you can just pop it on and like when During I'm listening. I'm like During peak pandemic. I would just have this raging while I was working. What's the face for, Brian? Do you have a lawn? Yeah, I got to oh, buddy. We got We got an end unit. I mean, I've I've seen the end unit. <laughs> I mean, this has got to. I'll take. I'll post a picture. This going to be a five minute job. No, no, it's it's probably a forty minute. Cause I got a weed wet. Oh yeah, I got a my, weed. My parents' gotta... house was forty minutes, and they're on like half an acre. Yeah, again, I take my time. He savors the process. Have a little respect. Come on. Yeah, and you and unit RDT. Come on, man. Big money RDT. That's what they call them. Yeah. That's, that's what they say. <laughs> that's what they say. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, starting five time presented by Fed Thrill. Um, 
sunglasses. I mean, it was, it's been beautiful the last few days. The it, sunglasses, Tremendous. sunglasses necessary. Mm-hmm. On the ride home now, it's too. The suns are all over me on the ride home. Sunglasses mm-hmm. are very, very key. Um, go to Fed Thrill. You can get 20% off using promo code EXIT52 at checkout and get your sunglasses for the summer. Uh, boys, there was a famous horse race this weekend. I don't know if you know it, called the Kentucky Derby, um, which I think had its most culturally relevant moment that wasn't a scandal in a long time. I, I was trying to remember the last time a derby really charged people up like this. Um, and it was because 80 to one long shot rich strike. If you didn't, if you were living under a rock um, charged up the field, down the stretch, weaving in and out of horses and took down the favorite epicenter um, at the wire. And so it got us thinking best sports underdogs were upsets, upsets, underdogs, however you want to define it. That is our starting five draft this week. Um, I have the first pick. I am a Mason. I have the first pick. Banks has the <laughs> Banks has the second pick, and RDT has the third pick. Wow, <laughs> so that came out of nowhere. <laughs> just popped in my head. Just popped in my head. I am a Mason. Um, <laughs> I think this is a pretty easy one-one for me. A couple um, came into mind, but um, the best underdog of all time is USOA Olympic hockey against. Yeah. Uh, the Soviets in 1980, which has been picked in drafts before. Um, but I think it's just, I think it is maybe one of the clearest one ones in any draft. Like if you're doing a draft about underdogs or upsets, this is the, uh, the pick. So I'm taking the U S Olympic hockey team. Uh, I went through a phase like two months ago where I wa- like, I just randomly watched miracle and then like watched the end part of it, like three times over like three days. What a good movie. That movie's mm-hmm. aged very well, very well. Um, so 19 to us Olympic hockey shout out to Kurt Russell, <laughs> shout out to Man. Kurt Russell, shout out to Kurt Russell. What a Minnesota accent. What a Herb Brooks, Minnesota accent. He did. Banksy. Um, I am going to take Buster Douglas. Mm-hmm. I think that's just an all time. Uh, I mean, the guy had video Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson had video games all about him. I mean, he was a bad mamma jam at the time. He was not to be trifled with. And Buster Douglas just knocked him out. I mean, it, it's before our time. But this is just one of those situations where you just hear about, like, Mike Tyson was just that dude. Um, and obviously, we saw the later end of Mike Tyson when we were young. Um, and now the the uh, caricature that he is. Um but yeah, Buster Douglas. I, this is when people say upsets when they talk about boxing. This is just the one. Douglas is—he's a forty-two to one underdog against Tyson. That's it insane. Place, what people I think gets lost. There are two things that I always find interesting about this, and there's many interesting parts. And there's a thirty for thirty about it, and all these different things that you can go watch. It was in Tokyo, Japan, which is just so. It was at the Tokyo Dome, like. Which oh you know all it's, the big fights it's a glorified exhibition era, if yeah, they have it in the, Tokyo all the big fights essentially in that era are obviously taking place in Las Vegas and that was a little bit of an Atlantic City heyday as well and Tyson was an East Coast guy so he had a lot of fights in Atlantic City as well he had fought in Tokyo and I love this name this I'm kind of only saying this to get this name in the pod 
he had fought three fights before against Tony Tubbs, which I think is just Ooh. one of the great heavyweight boxing games of all time. Tony Tubbs. That's great. Goes back over to Japan and loses. You can see this in like the stories about the fight. They weren't ready for him to get hurt. So normally a boxing corner, you see them have those things called end swells, which they like press against press swelling. Yeah. If you watch it, they had to blow up a glove, like a medical rubber glove and put like ice water in it. And that was what they were using to try to get Tyson swelling down. There weren't, they weren't ready. Like the corner was not ready for what was happening. Didn't have an end swell. Didn't have an end swell. Insane. So it's, it was the only other thing I consider with the number one pick. It's an amazing upset. What, what time? So you said it's in Tokyo. So that's what 12 hour time difference. What time did mm-hmm. that happen? Like, so what is that an eight? Is that an 8am fight here? Was it on tape delay? Like, it's a good that, question. I that actually, I can't, or something that's, that actually, I can't remember. Cause like what, you know, I mean, is it at noon? Is it, I'll ask my dad tomorrow, but that's something I've never thought of that, but yeah, I wonder if it's just on the, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. Cause like, I mean, obviously here. The 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 uh, miracle on ice was tape delay. I, I remember my dad telling me that. That was definitely yeah. That was definitely tape delay. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't know what time the fight was. That's weird that I don't I don't remember that. Um. So. Uh, good pick though. Yeah, I mean it's every yeah. list. Every list is those 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 two picks one and two. It ha- they has to be. It has to be. Yeah, it's the uh, uh, RDT. Um, I'm going Giants over the Patriots. Uh, 07, 07 Giants beating the that. I mean, that team for all intents and purposes was the best the best football team we've ever seen. It was they had they had everything. That offense was unstoppable. It was a Madden offense where you know Randy Moss is setting records. Tom Brady's throwing what he didn't he is that the year Brady threw fifty? I think he he threw a ton. Um. And there was, you know, going into that game, it's just like there's no way the Giants are beating this team. There's no way, like the the Patriots are going to blow them out, and they're going to have the perfect season, and it's going to be, it's going to be, it's a storybook movie, and storybook ending. And you know, it obviously the game did not go that way. Seventeen fourteen was so low scoring, and you know, I, I that, that upset, I don't think anyone saw coming. Um, and again, recency bias, I think, also deal plays into that because. Again, I mean, we were everyone was so wrapped up, especially with the way that the Patriots had come back and beat the Giants earlier that year. So, or late, it was earlier in the year, but late in the season. And I remember that game being awesome. So, I will take good pick that that game or that I guess that team, the Giants. Um, and then I'm going off the beaten path a little bit. I'm probably overdrafting this. The App State Michigan game is one of my favorite. Again, just upsets. That was my first weekend at college. So it's like the first Saturday that I was away my freshman year in McDaniel. And I'm, you know, got a group of friends that, you know, you're friends, but we didn't really know each other. We'd only been there like four or five days, I think. Um, and it was all of us just in this, in, in, a, in a room on the first day of college football, leaning over this kid's portable, you know, this TV that would look awful back in 07. And we're like, holy, you know, holy shit, this is going to happen. Like this is, First weekend of college football is always amazing. And then it's like you throw on an all time and like the way it ended too, with like the block kick and the smoothest reach back with one hand to pick up the football you'll ever see in your life. It was like at that. I mean, that was just like somebody took over that guy's body. Oh, I mean, I mean, he, he could probably try that a hundred more times and he couldn't, he couldn't do it one more time. It was just so smooth how he just reached back, picked it up. And I mean, it was just an all time, all time game, all time ending. Um, 
And again, it, it was very cool. Like your first weekend away at college being like, holy shit, I'll never forget that. Especially because it was like, I think it was two or three days after the Orioles lost 30 to three. So that was the first night of my college being there for that game. And then getting, getting a couple of days later, getting to see that, uh, that comeback. So, or that, uh, that upset. So I'll go that one. Thanks. Um, I cannot even claim that I know too much about it, but I got to take Leicester city 5,000 to one is enough for me to understand just how ridiculous it was that that team did what they did. And it's not like a bracket format, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Taylor, it wasn't like, I mean, it's a made, full season. It's not like it's a, a you full get hot season, you six games or you, yeah, you exactly. get a knockout. Like they did it over 39 or 38 games, the Premier League's 38 games, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, Ridiculous, ridiculous, ridiculous. It has to be taken here. I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't take it at this point in the draft. It was – that was one of those ones where everyone just kept waiting for one of the other – one of the big teams to – so, you know, if you're not familiar with the Premier League, like at this point, there's really only like – they call them the big six in terms of like money. And some of that, you know, some of those teams have, have, you know, not been as good lately. But this was like the – the perfect storm of those teams just not um, not playing well. And Leicester City putting together a team that had some guys that, you know, I think were better. Like Riyad Mahrez now plays for Man City and Golo Kante plays for Chelsea. Um, but it is a once-in-a-lifetime situation. Um, and they – I think they had they got promoted like six or seven years before. Like what they did was just disgusting. It was just totally disgusting. Um, so yeah, very, very, very fun year. I'm a Chelsea guy, so uh, they won it over Chelsea, but whatever. Um, so I have two picks here. Um, I'm gonna take it more of an underdog. I think one of the great underdog stories of the last like decade or so. I'm taking Jeremy Lynn, Lynn Sanity. Uh, that was an absolute electric factory of a time. Um, watching that dude, like make step backs in Toronto where like the entire crowd seemed like it was just cheering against the Raptors because Jeremy Lynn was on the court. Like that was like a very fun situation, um, for the entirety of its, um, existence. So I'm going to take Jeremy Lynn, um, first here. Uh, and then I'm going to take Rich Strike. I, I have been, been enthralled by this Rich Strike story. The horse was not in the field until 8 a.m. the day before or whatever it was. First time uh, trainer in the, in the derby. First time jockey in the derby. Post like 22 or 21 where you're just not supposed to win from out there. And that freaking horse just rockets through the field. And I know that like, everyone's like, no, he wasn't just right. He wasn't running that fast. He was just running. Like he was just, wasn't running as slow as the other horses fell apart, but like he absolutely freaking makes that move on the end. Was at the rail and he goes inside of, I think it was Messier or whatever that I, I watched that overhead view like 45 times. I will watch that every year when the Kentucky Derby comes back like that. It was just awesome. It was so cool. Totally agree. I think that is one of the greatest races I've ever seen run. It was insane. It's almost suspiciously good. Like it was crazy how he came so far back. Didn't even just like take an outside lane and run with it and just gain speed. Like he weaved and then found, you know, the right spots. It was, it was incredible. It was, I couldn't believe it. 
And of course, just like him not being mentioned the entire race until the final for long is insane. I mean, yeah, that, ridiculous. That, that overhead view is is awesome. And like Twitter was flooded with it. And again, I watched it every single time being like, how, how, like, how did he, you know, and like you said, he riding the rail and then it's like, you see the two horses kind of split and he just fucking guns it. It's, it's, un- it's unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was very, and like you said, very, very cool to watch live just being like, because everyone kind of turned to each other. Like wait, who, like, who did they say? What horse is that? Like 21 yeah, because like, you know it's, it's obviously the Kentucky Derby is one of those events where everyone gets into it like the day of and learns about the horses and everyone makes a pick you do a pool or you know everyone does their their derby things for the most part and um you know one of the storylines kind of when they were building up is you know a lot of these some of these where they've come in with horses like I don't know I'm trying to think like Justify or American Pharaoh like you have like the clear favorite sometimes a clear favorite coming into the derby big brown this was like a derby where they're like, oh, there's like, there's like seven horses. Like it's really deep. It's a super deep derby field, blah, blah, blah. And this horse that wasn't in the field until 24 hours before the race beats them all. It should make, and I can't, I guess I could have done some research before this and maybe they haven't confirmed. It should make, make for a very good Preakness field because you would think a lot of these horses will try to turn around and beat this horse that's 80 to one because you feel like you have a really good chance to win. A lot of times that previous field gets bogged down because if a horse is dominant or the favorite in the Derby wins the Derby, those horses will wait till the Belmont to try to go get him, you know, rest and go get him in, you know, five weeks or whatever it is. This may allow some of those horses that were at the Kentucky Derby to come to the Preakness because like, oh, we have a good chance to go like Preakness Belmont because we're going to beat a horse that has never shown any of this before. Also, just gnawing on that pony, uh, you know, at the end. I mean, that was- an absolute. I mean, that was wild. I mean, the whole the whole scene was just wild. Yeah, uh, sad story. NBC, for NBC didn't even have a camera on their like thing. Like normally they have the camera where everyone's like freaking out if they want. Yeah. Like, they didn't have a camera on those people. Nor yeah, why would you ever be ready for it? Like even in the moment, like who knows if they even had a box? Like you know, yeah. I'm sure. They, really I'm sure good that's call from Mike. But... Really good call from Mike Tirico. Rich strike, more like lightning strike or whatever he said. Very very good call. That's a great call. Yeah. A sad story for me. Uh, I blanketed the all the longest shots midweek oh, no. on futures, and I, one of them was the horse that was replaced by Rich Strike. Oh, ethereal dream or whatever. Ethereal it was. road, yeah. Ethereal so, road. Yeah. yeah. Tough. Sorry. You, I also I was reading too. I guess that the trainer basically told everyone that he was going to walk away from horse racing because I guess he is involved with that barn in California that lost like sixteen horses in like 2016 or something. And he, he said yeah. he basically said that like he was done and like he had to be convinced to come back. So again, I mean, it's it's an awesome story all around and and. You know, I, I think like, like you said, I mean, it checks all the boxes on like underdog knowing it, you know, where did this guy come? Where did this horse come from? Who is this? What, you know, late entry. So it, it, it was pretty, it was awesome just to see, uh, just to see everything kind of, again, watching it live was unbelievable. It's, it was awesome. Yeah. RIP to all those horses and also pile mine. <laughs> that story for Banks because he lost. Or he he picked the horse that was replaced. Uh, I just shot the reference that none of you guys get, but it's fine. I didn't um, hear you, but our R.I.P. Barbara, just while we're here. R.I.P. Was... Oh my. Um, I'm gonna take UMBC. Has to be taken here. Mm, Has to be done. It was a mythical, like a mythical 
hypothetical like feat for a one to beat a 16 our entire lives. Um, teams would maybe sniff it around halftime and then they'd always get wrecked in the second half. And no one really came all that close until UMBC did the job there. And they didn't just do the job. I mean, they smoked UVA. That was such a scene. And for it to be UMBC, a college that like, we know UMBC, and I'm going to apologize in advance for what I'm about to say about UMBC, but that, that school is, when it comes to athletics, it's, it's a joke. I mean, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's not like, it's just not a collegiate sports type of university. Like, it's just not, it's a commuter school. It's, it's, I mean, what do you want me to say about UMBC? Made a soccer final four. I'll give them that much in like 2013. Okay. Yeah. And they've, you know, they made a baseball decent, regional in 2017 against you us. You want to apologize to Stephen Shock? Decent lacrosse. Yeah. He left. Uh, lacrosse has never been that good. Lacrosse has never been that good. They've never been good at lacrosse. They've Fine. been like the Maryland school that can't be good at lacrosse. At least not that they haven't made the tournament a while that, that I can remember. Do you, so do apologies you apologize to you. To, yeah, forget it. Uh, but the point being is like, who would have expected it would be UMBC to do it? It's yeah. insane. At least in terms of how we perceive UMBC, like as people that are from here. I mean, you're right. I mean, it it is a you know, it's obviously over there, and the, it's not like it doesn't scream like you know, upstart sports school. And uh, shout out to Ryan Odom, now the coach at Utah State, got it done. Um, yeah. Like, what if UMKC did it? Like, we wouldn't think twice about it. It'd be like, oh, cool, small school, whatever. But like, I'm sure people around Kansas City would be like. That place is a joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Ryan Odom. Yep. The man himself. One of the things, too, I think that hurts UMBC is, like you talked about, it was a blowout. Like, what's your one memory from that game? There's no shot. There's no – you know, there's nothing. It's just like they just blew them out. Just me and the boys yeah. bopping to, to the fight song. Yeah, at, but again, like at, at the Smythe residence at the time. Yeah, I was gone. I was um I was on a plane to England, legitimately on a plane to London while that was going on. Mm. Flex. You missed uh, <laughs> an absolute blow. No, so yeah, I was the only one that got Wi-Fi. I was going with our soccer team. We were doing like our week spring break tour in England, and I uh, bought the Wi-Fi and I was updating uh the people on the plane about what was going on. So well, also flex that I got Wi-Fi on the plane. Sorry. Did you it. expense it or? Um, oh, probably not. Probably not. No, you, you want to talk about a guy that's really bad at remembering you like expense, like small things like that. <laughs> I'm talking, I can barely fill Venmos. Oh my gosh, um, the Taylor and Venmos. What a rivalry! Yeah, yeah, what a rivalry. I would just pop yeah, it. The real Venmos. upset is you paying all those. The other day. All those yeah, <laughs> was. I, I let, 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 wait a minute, let wait a minute. <laughs> I pay all my Venmos, I pay all of them. They have, they have there's never been a Venmo that hasn't been paid. You, How long it takes in this is sounding I, a little I like trouble. 45 for a second here. I sometimes treasure. Yeah, I, I just I, Raffy, I went I just went Raffy and 45, which is a dangerous combination. Um never seen dangerous. someone pay their Venmos faster than me. The best Venmo payer out there. You are see this is why no, the you. podcast that's my that's my 45. <laughs> the reason I right now is I is I gotta just turn the freaking notifications on. I just continue to forget. So maybe I'll do it while maybe I'll do it before the show's over. Um, RDT. Uh, 2004 Pistons beating wow. the Lakers. Beating the Lakers. Mm. I forgot about that. That's a good underrated one. Everyone thought that Lakers team was going to win the title. Oh my god! And like that's this is peak peak me wearing a Ben Wallace jersey. That's like an XL 
when I was four foot 11 to, to <laughs> what, 2004. So I was a freshman. Um, freshman? No, I, I was in high school. And again, I'm wearing this jersey and it looks like I'm wearing a dress. And, and I loved Ben Wallace and all them. And yeah, it was like going into the finals again, that was, and that was the, the, the Lakers team that I believe it added Carl Malone and Gary Payton. So it was like, man, they're not going to beat this team that has Shaq and Kobe and Carl and Gary Payton. They're, there's no way they're going to do it. And they, I think it was four one. They smoked them. I, I do remember the final game being, I think the I'm pretty sure the final score was 88, 68 in a clinching finals game. And again, a versus a team that had Kobe and Shaq and Carl Malone and Gary Payton. Obviously, Carl and Gary were later in their careers, but I mean that Pistons team was just like every dad and and camp counselor like love those Pistons teams because it's just like they're not the best players, they're not the tallest, they're not the fastest, they're not the strongest. They're just like the hardest. They're they're a great team, you know. Just they were very fun to watch. Ben Wallace on the defensive end of the the, the floor was unbelievable. Um, and he, I mean, he made watching defense fun. Um, so that, that, that's one of my favorite all time teams in general. I think that 2004 Pistons team. And I, I think that's a pretty, again, I don't know where it ranks on like NBA upsets or whatever. I think that to me is one of the, the bigger, at least upsets, you know, underdog stories, um, for me in my, my personal achievement or my personal ranking achievement. Mm. Yeah. They were going for the four peat that year, weren't they? Uh maybe that sounds about right, I think, because it could be that. I think maybe so. the Spurs mixed one in there. Could it? Yeah. If if I had to guess, it would be the Spurs. Um, that makes sense. Um, and then I'll go a homegrown one. 2012 Orioles. Just that whole season was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh again, I had to I figured I had to you were gonna get that in there. It was on my board. Yeah, again. Um zero expectations coming into the year other than like, Hey, remember how 2011 ended? That was fun. Um, and my college roommate and I did a thing where we were like, it's the beginning of the year. We're like, all right, every time the Orioles, we're going to do the Papa John's thing. Every time they win, they win and score over five, you get 50% off. We, we must've spent thousands of dollars on Papa John's that year because <laughs> we held on to it as pretty much as long as we could. And I'm not even exaggerating when I think like 65% of my blood was garlic sauce at the end of the year. Like it was, it was bad. Yeah, I ate so much Papa John's that year, but it was it was all worth it because because Nate hit the foul pole. Um, it's a very again another very fun year of baseball to watch and <clears throat> a team that came out of nowhere and would win every extra inning game, one run game. They, they did it all. So never have I heard the word run the term run differential oh, so much. Oh, it was it was Man. into the ground. Yeah, they were plus seven by the end of the year. I think one of their greatest feats was actually overcoming that like negative 40 number mm-hmm. that it was in like mid-August and playing that well down the stretch. The the Rays, so the Orioles finished 93 and 69 to claim one of those wild card spots. Um the Rays were plus 120 in run differential, which is let me look at scroll down here, was the third best in the entire major league baseball. Um, and they're on the outside looking in at 90 and 72. It's tough, 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 real tough. I, I mean, like, I remember like one of the cool scenes was I remember during one of the last games where they, the Orioles had won and they all hung out on the field and they were watching, I forget what game it was on the big screen. Cause if X team would have lost, they would have got in and they were going to celebrate on the field. Uh, it didn't happen. And they had to go in. I think they clinched 
while the Orioles were in the air or something like that. But again, there were, there was a lot of, a lot of cool games, moments, memories, players, all that, all that good stuff from uh, 2012. So, and yeah, run differential was just shoved down our throats. So take your run differential and, and shove. Thanks. This, I, this is what I wanted to take in the third round, but I made a calculated decision there. It's called owning the snake. Um, took UMBC over this pick, but Rue I really wanted, and I knew I would probably be able to get was John Daly, 1991 PGA champion, was not even in the field, just like Rich Strike was. Uh, Nick Price pulled out for the birth of, of his first uh, child, and then the next eight alternates were not able to make the trip to Indianapolis for the PGA championship. And so John Daly was just close enough by and he entered the field and uh, he won the whole damn thing. Created a legend too. John Daly. I mean, come on. I mean, it just how would you not want him on your, on your draft here? Went on to become um, a two-time really major like, champion. A two-time major champion and one of the really like original sports personality from like Still. A, that was so different from his sport. Um, the face that's, of a good, that's a really good pick. That's a really good pick. There's really, and there's some like golf and tennis ones that are out there that you know you have someone random come and like win a golf tournament that happens. But the daily one is amazing because he just yeah shouldn't have in the, he shouldn't have been in the field. Like you have guys that come in the field and they it's their one shining moment and you never see him again. But like daily one and then was like a real guy, but also should have never been in that tournament. So it's a good one. I think that his his entire character like this this persona that he has to the casual sports fan is so big that most fans don't actually know that he, he didn't come up as some big hotshot guy, just bombing drives. And everyone's like, Ooh, look at this guy changing the game. Like he came out of nowhere and did what he did. So um, John Daly, a big time underdog. Good pick. Um, it's always cool too, and not to just before, to wrap this up, this up here. Go right ahead. It's always cool when the underdog is the underdog, and they kind of reach that apex, and then they kind of stick. Because there's ones where it's like a they just call lightning in a bottle, and that was one time thing. And there's other underdogs where it's like it didn't have the stuff, and then they showed up at you know right place, right time, had the stuff, and then parlayed that and sustained it. I think that's always a cool thing too. I got two here. Um, let me go a little outside the box here. Uh, first, um, I think we need to take it back. Um, little war called the Revolutionary War. I don't know if you anyone would have taken the Americans to, uh, you know, the colonies, 13 colonies, to take down the British Empire, but uh, that's what happened. So we're going to take America. And uh, look what we've become, a, an absolute superpower. What was that? Sorry, British. I don't know what the line was there. Yeah, the gambling line. Yeah. But I just can't. I don't know. You guys are, Banks, you're a bit of a handicapper. What would you put the line in there? I think that the U.S. were 20 to 1, maybe. Yeah. Sounds about right. I'd say that's right about what I'm handicapping it at. Just no, no advantages in terms of personnel or resources, but. Uh, we're able to get it done. I looked into a couple of their war ones, but figured I'd keep it, you know, figured I'd keep it pretty relatable here for the audience. 
Um, so I'm going to take, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the colonies big time. And then I, I have a bunch of other sports ones, but I was thinking about like underdogs and upsets that I was shocked by. I'm going to take you back to 2009, gentlemen, 2009. Is that the year? Let me make sure that's the year. You're not saying Nora Jones, are you? Or, no, 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 no. <laughs> there was a, a man by the name of Adam Lambert that took the American Idol world by storm, <laughs> by storm, by storm. He was an incredible performer. Um, he was original. He put his amazing spin on songs. And I got to be honest, boys, I, I watched American Idol in that, you know, it's kind of seven year span of its like peakness. I didn't think there was any doubt that dude was going to win. I mean, it felt like one of the more clearest day ones, not since Carrie Underwood, Bo Bice did a result feel so secure. But then Chris Allen comes out of nowhere, a hundred million votes cast a hundred fucking million votes. Remember when things like this, like galvanize the entire country, that does not happen anymore. Now, like 13 million people watch euphoria and freak out about it on Twitter on Sunday nights. And that's the closest we get as a nation. But right now during the American idol, it was America. I'm talking about America from a revolution to an idolution. Okay. In 2009. And Chris Allen with his guitar in hand with his, with his, with his Midwestern sensibilities, watch, he won't even be from the Midwest. Arkansas Southern sensibilities comes out and beats Adam Lambert media sensation who Simon Cow, the great Simon Cow, said the goal of this show is to find a worldwide star. And I believe we found one with you after he finished his final performance. That's what he said about Adam Lambert. He does the firm Simon Cow seal of approval. Chris Allen takes him down and guess what Chris Allen's done since absolutely fucking nothing. He hasn't done anything. God bless the man. I hope he's, he's well off. Freaking Adam Lambert singing with Queen. He's singing with Queen. I believe we got that wrong as a nation. That's nothing against Chris Allen. Some could have said I was going to go David Cook, David Archuleta, David v. David. Also, some people consider an upset with Mr. Archuleta. But, you know, Cook a bit of a rocker. Chris Allen, one of the great underdogs. What a story. uh, Banks. David. What would you say? David. Oh, you're just taking David. I'm yeah, taking David. Yeah, it's a good pick. It's a good pick. Yep. It's a good pick. That's a good pick. Look, the I man, mean, you want to talk about odds. What's talk that? Like 120, 120 to one? The man was equipped with a with a slingshot and rocks. I had him down on my big board. old Goliath. I had him on my board. Just figured Chris Allen was a better pick, you know? Hmm. Yeah, um, I... I had that David, too, and you got me. You got me. You yeah, too. I took that. Yeah, I had to see that from me. Uh, yeah, this, I mean, a slingshot, just not the proper equipment for what he was trying to do there. It turned out to be exactly the proper equipment. Sure. Sure. It did. But I think going in, if you were looking at a lot. Oh yeah. No, no if you're said. handicapping, if you're, you know, Vegas, you're drawing up the lines there. You're looking at this guy. What's this guy doing with this pea shooter? I mean, Goliath was. Stuff of legends, literally. Yeah. Yeah. How about David ended up with eight wives, 18 plus children? Mm. Congrats yeah. to him on that. Yeah. Wild. Wild. I'm going through a little bit of David's life here. Um, born in Bethlehem, died in Jerusalem. So it's a heck of a ride. Yeah, it is. Talk about a guy who, like I said, who, who, <laughs> 
achieved a great upset and parlayed it into greatness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good pick. Yeah. That's a good, I mean, you know, some would say it's, the, you know, it's, I think that's a steal of 14, personally. Yeah. RDT, you're going to take the 03 Pistons? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> the 1989 Indians. <laughs> oh, those Indians. They were getting, those Indians. they were getting threatened to move to Miami. Didn't have any working, you know, hot tubs, heaters, no hot water, no nothing. And that ragtag group of guys, they did it. They did you did. have this on the board before I said about yeah, John I, Daly win the I, whole damn thing? Yeah, I did. Cause I, I, I had, I had it written down as like, just like, I wanted to get like one, not joke one, but like a movie one in. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're kind of in honorable mention section here. I was going to go D2 with my final pick just cause half, a, half a roster of just ragtag kids from Minnesota who were at one point who were coached up by a a drunken alcoholic lawyer <laughs> oxymoron <laughs> i well i was going to go into the driving part former junior know. hockey star gordon bombay yeah that's um, a great name too by the way that's a and half the name. roster was great comprised name. of these ragtag kids and then the other half are from around the country and they all mesh together and they get absolutely pasted 12 to one yeah by iceland early in the tournament and to come back and win with the key addition of keenan thompson something tyler yeah I mean, when, you can, grab a, when you can grab a street guy. hockey player off off the streets of russ tyler russ tyler get him right on the i mean the knuckle puck is is a thing of legends and they gain their toughness by going out and playing that street hockey game did you call him early Ernie Tyler? At first? I love that movie. I God, do I, the, that, that movie just that gets there. That movie gets nothing wrong. One of the great parts of that movie, and there are so many great parts of that movie, <laughs> but that they just like randomly stick in like a like potential affair between Gordon Bombay and like the Iceland like athletic <laughs> trainer, <laughs> and they're getting ice cream. Yeah, I mean that that the fact that you like, be coach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God! Some oh, incredible cameos in that movie. Some incredible uh, uh, cameos in that movie too. Yeah, the uh, <laughs> them just introducing like Luke like, Robitaille. <laughs> yeah, Kareem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously Wayne Gretzky. Uh, what a great movie! It's one of my uh, favorite. Christ, movies. Uh, Christy Yamaguchi, I believe, is. Yeah, movie? yeah, she is. <laughs> uh, just the a fact that a, the casual fact that a, LA Beach Nation party. An apparel company is basing like an entire coaching line around the coach of the a coach for the junior Goodwill Games, just like galvanizing the Anaheim Pond. I mean, what a great movie! That Disney needs to do some more movies like that. And I think I've been wanting for us to do a, a villains one forever. I mean, Wolf, the Dungeon, something dentist. like that. The dentist, tremendous villain. Oh, the beach ball squish. Oh, it's so good. By the way, they didn't, they absolutely nailed the name Gunnar Stahl as the like best player yeah. on my Iceland team. That is the yeah. most hockey name of all time. Gunner they Stahl. threw in some good hijinks with like the Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago team and all that good stuff. Trinidad and Tobago, a have a little movie. respect. Whatever. Mm. Great movie. You could go on all that movie. Do you guys have any honorable mentions? I'll do mine actually real quick. Um, Florida Gulf Coast. 
Um, Fallon Sherrick, Fallon, Fallon Sherrick, darts. Great one. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris, Ander- Chris, uh, Chris, Ander- Chris Weidman over Anderson Silva um, in UFC was a big upset for me in there. Oh, yeah. Um, that was, that was <laughs> that the broken leg? Correct. I, I, well, he that knocks was- him out the first time and then he breaks his leg. When I was there live, he broke his, Anderson broke his leg. When I was, I was watching that with Lauren. That was, I was like, we bought the fight and everything. We were still, da- you know, we were dating at the time. I was like, you got to watch this guy, Anderson Silva. Wow. He's unbelievable. Like, talk about love. The best of all time. He's he's the man. He's my favorite person. And then just shattered leg. And I was like, I, yeah. I need to throw. I was in the building at the MGM Grand Garden Arena. It was an absolute like I've said electric like 40 times in the show, but that was very much one. Any I don't mention this for you guys? Uh, I think we, we owe a big apology to the <laughs> to the New York Jets in Super Bowl three. Ah, fuck them. <laughs> Fine. Fuck them. Fuck them. Go ahead, Eric. I just had the 2022 uh, Baltimore Orioles. Fair. There's, I mean, there's numerous. Uh, there's a ton we could go into. March here. Madness ones, your Dunk City, your Jordan Saint Mason, Peter's. your VCU, St. Peter's. Uh, I had the 2018 Vegas Knights on there. Um, mm, sure. Yeah. Expansion teams. A, a very, very cool run that they went on. Uh, did we say Boise State over OU? Mm, forgot about that. That's very such a fun great one. That is very such a good fun game. There's always bonus points added when the way you win is very fun. I think that's where App State comes through. It's where Boise State comes through. Uh, Rich Strike is a great example of that. Um, whereas, just like we we talked about, UMBC just wiping them by twenty it takes a little steam out of it. There's also like awesome movie one. We could go in other movie ones, but the, we we would go on the show forever. Uh, Nick Cannon Medley, Maryland person of the week. Uh, oh, I didn't recap the picks. What am I doing? I took the 1980 US Olympic hockey team, Jeremy Lin, Rich Strike, Revolutionary War. God, I said Revolutionary War like I was reading a horse name, which is probably, probably has been the name of a horse in the Kentucky Derby. And Chris Allen, um, Banksix, Buster Douglas, Leicester City, UMBC, John Daly, and uh, David over Goliath. And RET takes the Giants over the Patriots, App State versus Michigan, uh, the 2004 Pistons, the 2012 Orioles, and the 1989 Indians. Jeez, that's the first time I've ever done that. Just skipped right past it. Got to get the recap. Starting five draft presented by Fed Thrill. Nick Cater, Medley, Maryland person of the week, RET. Um, I'm going to go. I don't know. I got nothing. I was going to go to the Orioles because they're fun to watch. I'll go Reed Detmers for the Angels because he just threw the first no-hitter of the year. So oh, nice. Nice. In, in, a game, no idea. in a game that featured Anthony Rendon hitting a home run left-handed off of Brett Phillips. They won, they won 12 nothing, and Anthony Rendon was batting left-handed and hit a home run off of Brett Phillips. It's a wild game. Like, I've been following it the last 10 minutes. Holy it's, shit. Yeah. Rendon is oh, like – Oh, yeah. This is a point – a topic of discussion. Are, are we – Taylor, eyeballs. Oh, I'm, you I, I know what you're talking about. I, I was going to discuss this, but go ahead. Well, you just go ahead. Discuss no, it. No, go. No, go. Set it up. You know, set it up. Set it up. The Angels are doing some things. Oh, they're yep. they're playing. They're yep. playing some ball. Yep. Thoughts. Yep. So. I, I tried to um, two runs tonight. Yep. Uh, 21 and 11, uh, maybe the best record in baseball. It's them or the Yankees, right? Um, look, I, I think I've been, no, it's the Yankees. I've been pretty consistent on this. I think I have no issue with the angels being good. 
And I have no issue with them getting in the playoffs. I would like them to get in the playoffs. I would like them to win the whole thing. I just want Mike Trout in the fucking playoffs. And up until this point, he has barely done that. So I'm happy about this. I'm excited about this. This is great news for baseball. Two of the biggest stars in the game are on this team. This team needs to be in the postseason, like for the next four years. Like they need to be there. They need to be contending for the for, for the World Series. This is going to make the sport way more fun. So this has excited me. I've been excited by this. I'm so glad that they're also not, you guys aren't bringing this up when they're like, they're like 17 and 14. Like they're legitimately like 21 and 11, like 10 games over 500. Like go angels, go angels, go. And the best part about it is they win the division. Your dopey Houston Astros can't win the division, which is great for everybody. So get to the finish line, get to the playoffs, angels, Yankees in an ALCS. That's great for baseball need it love it love it i'm excited and but let me just put this warning if mm. this team falls apart <laughs> i am going to be ruthless against our guy mike trout who i continue to contend i don't dislike Mike. he's an amazing player a first ballot 100 of the votes hall of famer absolutely get to the playoffs let us enjoy you in all your majesty in these games that matter and not when you're freaking 70 and 83 coming to the end of the year. And I look at the thing, I'm like, I wonder if the Angels have any chance to make the playoffs at the end of the year. And every time they're not even close, I'm excited. Go Angels. One of the more dominating no-hitters, 12 runs, 18 hits for the Angels. It's oh, like when God. the Terps do the perfect game when they won like 16 to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Tremendous yeah. stuff. Good for Mike Trout. I, yeah. I hope this works out. I really do. I want to see him and Otani. In a, I mean, it, I mean that's fireworks. That is absolute fireworks and must watch when, if those guys are in the playoffs together. Don't fall apart. <laughs> Just don't fall apart. Is that a threat? <laughs> yeah, honestly, yeah. I think yes. I'm rude for him to fall apart. <laughs> Give us the Rafi <laughs> point. I'm rooting for that. I don't, want, I don't want to do this every year. I, I, I would like them. And they, you know, beating up on the race, it's fun. Win. Just continue to win. Orioles gain a game in the division, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at Trout's stats. I'll read Trout's stats because they're absolutely absurd so far. <laughs> He's been incredible. Does this include tonight? I believe so. He's hitting 319. His on base is 441. He's slugging 659. He has... I can't talk. He has seven home runs, 16 RBIs. Pretty good. By the front, maybe front run for the MVP right now. Fucking make the playoffs, brother. That's all I got. You got, a, you got a, is that your Nick Kenner medley, the Angels? <laughs> yeah, again, I had no, I had nothing. I had, um, yeah, I got, I got nothing. Wow. I'm just going to take Hank, Team Hank. Team Hank. Yeah. I'm just going to say Team Hank. Kind of um, we don't need to break down that drama. This no, no, is no, no, no. Let's, let's separate. Break, break it all down. Let's go. Let's start from the beginning. Let's let's not do that. It's twelve fifteen a.m. Um, if you're listening to this, you've probably heard about the drama, and we're just you know, Eric and I are old school guys. I don't want to speak for Eric, but Team Hank. No, I, I stand yeah. with my my final my final answer. Team Captain, Team Hank. Yeah, that is your guy. You got to support your guy. That's on your team. That's I'm on his team. 
people named Marty deserve better than Marty Mush. It's awesome. Mm. T-Mac. Um, and that's a special shout out to our guy, Marty. Our guy, Marty Suma. Our guy. Because we have a Marty associated with this show. Who's oh, good. Oh, do we have to change the name of Marty Gras? No, fuck no. We're taking the name back. Okay. I just didn't want people to think we were supporting that Marty. That's true. No, no, no. We're supporting our Marty. Well, that used to be called Suma Palooza, so we could bring that name back. Oh, I like that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm gonna take um I'm gonna take Marilyn Lacrosse, which I believe I've taken in the past couple weeks. Uh double Big Ten championships this week. Um they're both teams are a wagon right now. Uh the men look like they could be one of the best teams of all time. The women are rounding into form. Um, and with that, I want to give an honorable mention to Rutgers for being able to finish second and everything this week. Um, and tweeting that they were the state university of lacrosse. Uh, I don't know if they just, you know, I don't know what they're doing. I don't know. Love, love. It was, I had a lovely relationship with Rutgers on Twitter this week. Um, but you know, kind of bullied them a little bit. I mean, I had to, I'm sorry, Rutgers. I'm sorry, Rutgers, but our team, I mean, I just, I'm so impressed by what our lacrosse teams are doing at Maryland. They're, they're, they're truly excellent on and off the field type of programs, great leaders and coach Tillman and coach Reese. And uh, can't wait for final four weekend. World Day weekend is always fun right now for the Terps because these teams are in there every year and have a chance to win the whole thing. So um, really hope they can both get it done and it'll be an exciting few weeks. Do you have any, any honorable mentions from you guys? Uh, I might be taking the raise here after getting no hit their uh, score graphic tweet. I'll read it for you. Yeah. There will be times in life where you crank that soldier boy and there will be other times where that soldier boy cranks you. That's pretty good. That's the one thing you do in pro sports. People in college, if like, if I did that on the Maryland account, like I, somebody would like kill me in the, at the stake. They're like, Oh, you just, wow. Wow. But pro sports is a little more, little more humor. I'm surprised the Rays, uh, like the NHL teams, didn't like congratulate the Angels on the no header. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, we're in firm watch of that stuff over the next month or so. We're in yeah. firm watch of teams congratulating other teams for no reason. Go Frank Caps, boy. Yeah, go Caps. That was gonna be mine. That was a that was a buzzkill last night. That was a. Some I saw someone someone told me that that was their worst sports loss since the Ravens lost to the Titans in the playoffs, and I was like, "That's I could see I will, it, yeah." But I mean, like, it's a would, gut punch kind of loss. Yeah, but it's it's also the I mean, it's the first round of a I don't know. I I didn't I was disappointed, but I wouldn't look at someone was like, "It's like the 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 Orioles in 2012, the Ravens in 2019, and that Caps game." I was like, I, "There's ten Caps games that hurt way more than that <laughs> losing." I think you know in the playoffs. I thought it, it sucked. The game sucked. They they should have won, but like I'm not like that's that's a, that's a rip my heart out, stomp on it, and I'll, I'll like I, I don't know. I didn't. There's a lot more. The, the Rangers lost a couple years ago, and and you know it was much worse. A couple of them sucked though. They're an inch away from going up three one. Very interesting watching the Caps essentially just play the style where they're just absorbing and absorbing and just trying to take advantage of like one or two chances <laughs> it's just very fascinating to watch um that'd be awesome if they could pull this up it would be like 
all the like exercising some of the demons that is that has happened to the caps in the over the years like being the team that does this to another team would be very very fun um any other honorable mentions besides the capitals i'll give one honorable mention it's freaking big booty mix saturday let's finish it this way saturday listen to the big booty mix we've given the big booty mix so many of these awards before and now it's the actual week of the thing so they get it come on big check it out if you're if you're someone maybe you wait till it, it you don't have to pay for it anymore, but love the big booty mix. So um, that's it. This week's episode of the X52 podcast is over. Thanks to all of our supporters, Fed Thrill, Jimmy Seafood, Thread Level Midnight, um, all the people um, supporting banks, schedule release week this week. If you got leaks, you know who to give them to. It's Banksy Scoop season. So send them to banks so you can piece the schedule together for everybody. and call out reporters um make sure to follow us on all of our social media channels x 2 podcast twitter and ig follow banks at barstool banks follow eric at e d i t t i 22 rdt are you gonna make any are you gonna appear at the dozen trivia tournament is that happening or no i don't know i got i i, I talked to hank yesterday like i said i know there was a lot going on so yeah, he's got a lot going on down with that um i don't know i know i saw the misfits they 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 got their seating in the tournament um I don't know. I'm going to try and work something out, but if I have, if I can do it virtually, I'll do it virtually. I'm just not, I'm not sure about travel right now. So if not, I I will be, I will be watching and supporting all my guys from afar. I think I, I, I appeared with three teams this year. It was almost four. So I'm going to try and try and, uh, Maybe try and get on one or two more teams for the playoff run. I can't wait to see where both of you guys land on that show next year from a team perspective. Um, Conversations have been had. We'll say that. Conversations have been had. Hey, now. Continue to follow this space for updates on that. We will see you next time on the Exit 52 podcast presented by Jimmy's Seafood.